introduce you to Will Bedford, who is the Senior Manager of the Schools Division at ISC Research. He supports independent schools with international development plans and the identification of best fit investors for potential international partnerships. He advises international school leaders on the relevant market data and intelligence to support business strategy. He also supports international schools and school groups regarding the market data and intelligence to inform campus expansion, new development and school acquisition decisions. Prior to joining ISC Research, Will worked within the UK independent school sector, initially as a teacher, before moving into business management. He held several senior leadership positions in UK independent schools, most recently leading on whole school commercial strategy and international development at Claysmore Independent School. Well, it's a great to have you. Thank you very much for being with us this afternoon. Um, I'll start with my questions. Um, what does ISC research actually do? What's your research about and who is your research for? Thank you, Felicity. Uh, it's great to be part of the summit and thank you very much for, for inviting us to do so. ISC research uh, has, been, has been running for about 25 years now uh, with a primary focus on market research for the English medium K-12 international schools market. Um, we define an international school as a school that delivers all or part of their curriculum through the English medium in a country where English isn't one of the uh, official main spoken languages. So if you're delivering an English medium curriculum in a country where English isn't one of the official spoken languages, we would consider you to be an international school. Equally, if you're delivering an English medium international curriculum, such as the IB, in an English speaking country, we would also consider you to be an international school. But the key for us at ISC is that it's the English medium education and English medium uh, curriculum that's being followed. Um, in terms of who uses our data and, and our research, we serve the international schools market itself in terms of we work with a, a huge number of international schools to keep them informed on, on market trends and developments. But we also work with investors and school groups who are looking uh, to, to, to expand into the sector or across the sector and we advise them on uh, various uh, bits and pieces of their strategy, whether that be acquisition or, or straightforward um, expansion and development by opening new schools or establishing brand new schools. It has been extraordinary, hasn't it? How many new schools there have been in the last 10 or 20 years? Yes, there's been phenomenal growth in the sector. Um, we've got close to 12,000 schools now in our database that fit our criteria. Uh, whereas 25 years ago when the company was set up, there were about 1,000. So we really have seen huge growth, uh, both in the number of schools, but also uh, the number of pupils and staff and, and of course fee income as well. Um, so it's, it's a sector that really has transformed over the last 20 years or so. Yes. Um, just for the avoidance of doubt, um, how much ICS, IC, sorry, ISC research is involved with schools in the UK? Sure. So, as I, as I mentioned before, um, schools in the UK that are delivering uh, the IB, we, we would record on our database. Uh, but there are also English medium international schools 
in the UK that we work with and, and, and track in terms of the data and intelligence. Uh, a part of the business that's really grown for us in the last few years help, is helping UK independent schools who are looking uh, to develop and expand overseas and, and considering international projects themselves. So I think we've always been involved in the UK, but over recent years, our involvement in the independent sector specifically has really grown and increased. And that's very much part of my role and position within ISC is to work with our independent school clients and partners. Yes. Yes, that must have been very interesting work, finding the right location and uh, community to work with. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's um, there's lots to consider when you when you're looking to develop overseas. Location, of course, is key, but also finding the right partner, the right investor partner or developer is absolutely crucial to the success of, of any project. And, we help independent schools at the full way along that spectrum. So whether it's helping them run some analysis and due diligence on a specific project or site, or introducing them to investors and developers looking to uh, open independent school campuses, um, we advise and help all the, all the way across and through the process. Thank you very much. So um, what makes the British School international? Because it, it is it just the English medium, or do you find that there are quite a lot of local people and local children, or is it that they have English-speaking staff from England who uh, come to the school? Sure. So I think the major shift we've seen in international schools over the 2025 year period that we were talking about before is that primarily those schools were set up for expat children or children of expats who were working overseas at the time. The major shift we've seen is that actually uh, in a huge number of the pupils attending these schools now are, are local children and local families. Um, and, and that's been a significant shift in the market. And the main reason for that is the, the demand uh, for an English medium education and the pathway to, to an English UK or possibly US or other English speaking university. And then the career path from university onwards that uh, attending a UK university can, can help. So, um, Yes, the pupil attending, pupils attending the schools uh, are certainly more local now than they ever have been, or there are more locals attending these schools than there ever have been, but it's all driven by the higher education pathway and that desire to, to end up in the UK uh, for university quite often. Yes, well, thank you very much, that's very helpful. Um, would you have some descriptors for uh, other international schools like American, or French? Um, are there other countries which are similarly thinking along this uh, same path? Sure, so, so with a British international school, um, following the British curriculum and British exams, whether it be GCSE, IGCSE, A-level or IA-level, um, that, that's what makes the British international school British. Equally, if you're looking at an American international school, for, for ISC, they're still important because it's an English medium curriculum and an English medium provision within the school, but they are follow, following the US curriculum or system. So they'd be looking uh, to sit SATs or the AP, for example. Um, so that's the main distinguishing factor. We would consider them to be an English medium international school because they're using the English language, but you could split that 
into, into a British school versus an American school, for example. Mm. French schools, again, it's the same principle. We record far fewer of them because if they're purely um, teaching in French, they wouldn't fit our criteria. But if it's a French bilingual school and English is the other language used, they would, they, they, we would record them and, and monitor. So we work with a, with a, a number of bilingual schools and um, bilingual schools now account for about 30% of the uh, international market. So they are growing in popularity. Yes. Are there um, partnerships or groups of international schools? Um, what's behind my question is that many parents have three to five year contracts and then they're on the move again. And this presents a considerable challenge for the children and working out what's the best education path for them. So if there were partnerships, the transition might be easier to negotiate. Is that a, a reality? Sure. So there are some um, pretty big, pretty large uh, school groups operating internationally. Nord Anglia, GEMS, Cognita are all names that you, you've probably heard. There are also a number of smaller groups as well. And I think the concept of moving from one Nord Anglia school to another, for example, is definitely possible. They have schools across most major cities. So as an expat who might be uh, moving around to work different roles for your company, you, you know, most major cities would be covered by, by those, those groups and those brands. However, the schools are often um, high quality schools and premium schools and um, therefore often have waiting lists or are in high demand. So it's not necessarily a given or a guarantee that you could move between the two, but they definitely offer some form of continuity for, for families and pupils uh, as they move around. Um, and equally, the UK independent schools who have now set up the campuses overseas it could be argued that they are small school groups and actually uh, again whether the, the, the pupil starts in the UK and then moves to the overseas campuses between certain major locations a number of those locations have been ticked off as it were by some of the the big UK independent school brands now so whether you went for for an international group or an independent school with overseas campuses the concept still remains uh, the same I'd say. Yes, thank you. Um, you have data on a very wide range of schools, can you give some information about the most typical? Um, I'm thinking really of numbers of children, numbers of staff, um, Sure. outcomes. Yeah, so as I said earlier we have it's around eleven and a half thousand international schools on our database uh, that are up and running at the moment. We're also aware of a number of future schools as well, and that's quite crucial information for schools that are looking uh, to plan uh, an overseas move or expansion to know where the other future schools are cropping up. So that's quite crucial information. But the schools that are up and running, as I say, it's about 11,500. 75% um, of those schools are either in Asia or Europe. So that's where the majority of the schools are. Um, with China and then the Middle East being very significant sub-regions or countries within those groups. Um, the Middle East, particularly the UAE, saw, saw huge growth in the number of international schools uh, over the past 20 odd years and China growth has really accelerated there over the past 10 years or so as well. So they are significant regions. Uh, interestingly, the, the UK and US independent school overseas campus 
segments of that market is currently only about 1%. So it's still very, very small, uh, pretty niche, but in demand as well. Um, the, the, the international families certainly take very well to, to a, a brand and a well-known brand, um, particularly uh, in Asia and also the Middle East. Yes. There were some surprisingly positive conclusions disclosed in your recent white paper um, on international schools and how they've reacted in recent crises. Uh, could you give us some information about this, what the crises were, how they reacted, and we'll think about COVID-19 after that, but just the context was very interesting. Sure, so uh, as, as a sector it's been um, tremendously resilient over the last 20, 20 or so years. Um, given the sector has been faced with a number of challenges, obviously the, the financial crash 10 years ago, um, the, the oil and gas crisis to, to hit the Middle East and parts of Southeast Asia, Japan has had its own issues also. And actually the sector on the whole has always bounced back. Um, just focusing on the financial crash there, 25% of international schools experienced some form of drop in enrollment following that. Um, however, what's quite interesting and following on from what we were talking about earlier is the majority of the pupils at those schools were local families and therefore continued to send their children to those schools. The, the drop in enrollment could be argued really came, made, uh, the majority of it came from the fact that it was expats having to relocate because of the financial crash and jobs changing so actually the core now when you set up an overseas school is that local market and, and that can be quite reassuring I think for people still looking to, to venture into, into this. Um, in terms of compound annual growth rates that we measure quite often even over that 20-25 pe year period with those uh, challenges in the market the the Compound growth rate for students is 6.7% and fees is 8.5%. So even with those dips over time, if you're looking at this as an investment or, you know, the, the stats and are, are positive to say the least. Yes, thank you. Well, COVID-19 has had a very significant impact, uh, obviously much greater than those other crises. What's your thinking about how education will fare with that? Is there a, a uniform pattern where people want to stay in the country where they are now or a sense of globalisation cannot be stopped? So we're actually on the threshold of something exciting and we need to get ready. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly an interesting concept and everyone's trying to, to uh, look into their crystal ball and predict what's, what's going to happen. But I mean, we can be sure that, uh, as I pointed out with those previous examples, the sector has been very, very resilient. I think in times of crisis families often turn to education as, as a means of, of providing their children with, with something very valuable and, and, and something that will help them progress in life further to that i think the english medium education that we've been talking about and that pathway to higher education and then the pathway into the working world i can't see that going anywhere and i think that's what's really going to keep um, this english medium uh, the demand for the English medium education um, so strong. Um, 
there are interesting um, uh, pieces about whether the number of borders may drop in the short term, international borders coming over to the UK. Mm-hmm. The flip side to that would be actually then the international schools and the international campuses in those cities around the world, their enrolment actually may benefit from people not coming back over to the UK. Yeah. However, I think in the medium to long term, there will still be that great demand to come over to the UK and experience the UK independent sector and then go on to university. So overall, I think it will remain positive for, for the British uh, schools as the demand for that English medium education will still be there. And whether that's the UK independent schools here in the UK or the British international schools, I think long term, there'll still definitely be significant demand for that provision. Yes, yes, thank you. Um, I did an MED at Oxford Brooks, which was with, uh, it was a summer school uh, for teachers at international schools. And I was the local one who was like a host student, <laughs> which was great fun. Um, it was several head teachers focused on the recruitment of teachers for their dissertations. And it's uh, clearly quite a challenging thing to recruit. Um, are any of the schools teaching schools uh, so that those people who want to do teacher training can do it through the school? Um, can it be a good career move for a British teacher to have some experience in an international school? We, we would feel it's certainly um, a valuable experience for, for a British teacher to go overseas and experience international education. I think where the sector and how the sector has developed and evolved over recent years there are now some very, very well respected and pioneering educators within the sector. And I think actually, uh, you know, venturing out and working with these individuals and within their schools can only be good uh, for, for your career and, and your development. There are certain schools who, who have teacher training programmes. The British School of Muscat would be an example of that. And some of the bigger groups, such as North Anglia, have um, very, very well structured and developed CPD programs that they can run um, across a huge number of schools that they have. So they definitely that's a benefit to working for one of the biggest school groups. But um, we would certainly see value uh, in, in moving overseas to work. And I think it is a well known challenge for heads of international schools. Uh, recruitment is is a challenge. However, um, it's often because the, the the, the teachers that want to go and work internationally um, have ambitions to do so in, in a few different schools. So actually, it's it's the experience they have and then wanting to experience that in other countries and other cultures that drives them to move a lot of the time. Um, so it's an interesting area and it's a bit of a headache for some of the heads. But um, it's a nice headache to have in some ways, I think, because there's always fresh talent moving around the sector to the different schools. Yes, yes. Thank you very much indeed. Now, we have actually addressed all the questions that I prepared. There might be something else that you would like to share with us. Um, if that's the case, uh, this is your platform. <laughs> OK, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd just like to say that, as you know, although ISC's focus has been for, for 20, 25 years in the international sector, I think it really is particularly relevant to UK independent schools now. And if you've got any questions about 
how to go about that or what we're seeing with the market trends or whatever it might be, please, please don't hesitate to get in, in touch. We'd be very happy to have a conversation and advise on how we can help. Um, and especially through these challenging times that we're all facing um, and, and, and challenge for the sector, um, I think an international strategy and some international ideas, I think they could be good for a number of schools at the moment. So we'd be very happy to, to talk to you about that. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, well, this has been very helpful. This is a unique uh, conversation um, where we're looking at the sort of business side and the international interface. Um, thank you very much indeed. And um, thank you for being prepared to wait for the chat, which will follow in a few moments. No problem. Thank you, Felicity.